Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. I have been in three relationships, two of those with men and one with a woman. What is the difference between all of those relationships? Nothing really. They all had their highs, their lows and everything in between. Identifying as pansexual, gender doesn't matter to me, but it seemed to have mattered a lot more to other people than it should have. This week on Hashtag QueerAF, reporter Kenya Scarlett has the ultimate guide to everything you need to know about being in a queer relationship, no matter who you are. Gender and sexual orientation does not play much of a role here. People in the LGBTQ plus community should be able to freely be in relationships without their gender or sexual orientation being analysed. That's right. Working out how to do the relationship things is exciting, hormone fueled, and ever so nerve-wracking. So Kenya summed up everything you need to know in one podcast episode. Prepare yourself. There is a whole bunch of queer couple cute aggression vibes to come. That's this week's Hashtag Queer F. I'm Jamie Wareham. And now it's time for Mrs. and Mrs. Introducing our lovely couple, Lottie and Gabby, and we'll find out just how well they know each other. So give a very warm welcome to our special pair. That was a clip from Lemon House Productions' play, Willows. A story that is quite incidentally about a same-sex couple. But before we delve into the production, how do relationships start? Is it everything Hollywood promises? When first meeting somebody you're falling for, or maybe just meeting somebody you have an interest in, you can't take your mind off them. You love everything that they do, and gosh, don't your friends and family know it, because you just can't stop talking about them. You're excited. Just recently, I started getting all of these types of feelings for somebody, and I couldn't help but feel the need to give my friends and family a daily report of what that person has said to me that day. Silly I know, right? I feel like a teenager, in a rom-com or something, but we can all be guilty of it. When you first start falling in love with somebody, you can actually get symptoms of confusion, stress and sickness. You may even sweat a little. But luckily, for both of our couples who you'll hear from throughout this episode, it was all excitement after they both swiped and matched on Tinder. We like swiped and we're like, oh, you know what? Because I was was just like on it casually, so I didn't really check. But I think I messaged you like, three weeks later or something. Yeah. Because I was like, because I kept deleting it and re-downloading it. This is Holly, who met Abby on Tinder. I was like, oh, what's up, what's up? Yeah. And then I saw her, I was like, oh, I just messaged this girl, she's cute. And then like... <laughs> she's so cute. Like, <laughs> so I did it. And then I was like, but I was, because I was working quite intensively during that time, so I didn't really like look at my messages to see if she messaged back. 
And when she did, I was like, oh, you know what? Let's, can you know, I just talk to you on Instagram because I don't have notifications on this. And I keep deleting it. So like, went to Instagram and found out that we had like mutual friends. Yeah. And then we were like, what the fuck? Like, how do you know it's this just person? Just small worlds. Yeah. Slid into the DMs <laughs> and then. Yeah. The rest is history. For us to find each other on Tinder only came about because we were both working in the same area. We were both working in Chelsea. And that's how we found each other. But it was a very short conversation. We were both very eager to just meet each other immediately. This is Lucas and Sam. I thought it was really special because... So I got the notification that he swiped right as well. Yay. (laughs) And then he sent me a message saying, Whoa, my phone just stopped working. It's a sign. Kind of like a good sign. And I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) Um, And it was very funny and easy straight away. So I knew I wanted to meet that person. Whether falling in love with somebody or just being curious about exploring that little butterfly in your stomach, most of us will have a dating period. Some longer than others and all are different experiences for different people. But this is the time when you get to know each other. It can sometimes almost feel like a game show. Sometimes it runs smoothly, like you've known each other for years. And sometimes you may be just so nervous that you can't park your car. I was living in Ashford, Kent at that time and I was driving to Park Langley. So it was like close to where she lives. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be here. So let's meet up here. So we were both driving and I'm like, she was waiting and I saw her and I told her to follow me into the car park. And I parked and I'm waiting for her to park. And my girl here is trying to reverse park into the bay for like 10 minutes and I'm just there like... <laughs> You couldn't do it because you were nervous or did you want to be perfectionist? It's because, because you knew she was watching. I was really nervous because I saw her and I was like, oh my god, she's really hot. And then I was like, and I was like, oh my god, this hot girl is like watching me park. And then I was like, trying to park, yeah, but then, oh my god, it was just, I just felt like her eyes were on me the whole time and judging me. So I was like, I have to look really cool. So I was like, trying to park, yeah, and I just, for the life of me, I forgot how to park. I can park now. Can you, she can, can park, you, yeah. Yeah, I can park now. I know this sounds incredibly cheesy, but I remember very clearly coming down the stairs at Peckham Rye Station and him being at the bottom of the stairs and just recognising how much we both gave each other such strong eye contact. It was like we didn't let go of each other's faces. We were like scanning each other for like a good 10 minutes until we even spoke <laughs> a word to each other. And I was eating an apple at the time and I had a bike on my shoulder, so I had a apple in my mouth, bike on my shoulder, (laughs) staring at him, which was bizarre. Yeah. I knew I had to pull my socks up immediately. I'm always aware when I'm on a date that I have a tendency to talk so much through nerves. It was like immediately the trigger, the switch went on for me to be very conscious about how much I was talking and how many times I was asking questions because I was just too, you know... I, I know this is terrible, but I remember also recognising how beautiful his legs were and his bum. Like, that was a big thing for me. I was like, Jesus Christ. I immediately had a good feeling. The problem that I had was that I I was immediately insecure. I felt like this is not going to work. He's not going to find me interesting. I only thought older people find me interesting. But it was a really beautiful date It was just really relaxed, easy, and I immediately knew he was great because I could see him 
worrying as well or like thinking of how to make this good and how to make this nice and in previous dates I always had a feeling I need to keep things going I need to ask good questions I need to impress the other person but I could feel that we both were trying really hard or like we were both trying to have a good time and mm. so we ended up spending the whole day together After the first few dates you get to know each other a bit more and then you start to figure out where things are going and if you are going to be in a relationship, whatever that type of relationship may be. When you are in that type of relationship, that person can make you feel happiness like no other. They can make you feel safe and warm and they can support you, love you. Okay, first question. Who said I love you first? So at the beginning... For Lucas and I, I think there was this immediate understanding. Both of us knew how we had a bad tendency of rushing into things. So we were both quite cautious not to mess anything up at the beginning. So we were both quite reluctant to immediately call ourselves a relationship. Although I was very clear with all of my friends that I was like, I'm in love with this guy, he's mine. I need him, kind of thing. And I think that was an interesting experience. And I remember at one point I was like, I, I need him to know that I love him, but I don't want to say I love you yet. So what should I do? So I wrote him a poem. And uh, that made me feel safer, made me feel like, okay, I've expressed myself. He knows where I stand. And then it was funny because before you even said I love you, you were like, you said I love you before we even sort of clarified that we were in a relationship. Yeah. Well, because you confused me. <laughs> your, your poem was pretty much a very, very dramatic, I love you, <laughs> So I thought, all right, we can say it now, it's fine. Yeah. Um, Who is most likely to start an argument? No matter whether you've been in a relationship for a week or 50 years... Things have probably got complicated and tough at some point during it. Trust, sex, boundaries, control, abuse. There are so many issues that can affect our relationships. When Gabby says she's fine, does she mean that A, she will kill you in your sleep? Or B, she is ready to punch you in the tit? I used to be in a long distance relationship, so it was always communication. And, like, the way you interpret things, obviously, when you, like, text or something, something can just get blown out of proportion or it basically means what the person wants it to mean, right? Like, it depends how you interpret it. So a lot of things can go totally different way that you wanted to. So that was a big thing. I guess communication in general, too. Yeah. And how do you overcome the communication thing? I guess it's just making sure, like, the other person knows what you mean. Why are you getting nervous? <laughs> Such a nervous laugh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it's just like um, communicating about the communication. Yeah. yeah. It's like this is, this like this is what I mean, and like maybe just like picking up the phone and just saying like, hey, mm. this is like what I actually meant. I think there's this thing where you tend to carry a lot of baggage from previous relationships. And a lot of sort of pre-assumptions of how people can behave. So when Lucas and I, for example, went into a relationship, both of us were quite highly sensitive, which meant that we would dramatise minor things very quickly, we'd be very cautious about minor things quite quickly. 
I think what we were always and what we've always been very good at doing is vocalizing constantly how we feel, whether that's really difficult or not. I started to learn how to do this because in previous relationships, I've always tried to cater to my um, partner. I've kind of changed myself so they love me more or I feel like that's what they needed. I wasn't really honest. I didn't talk much. And that in the long run led to complications. And I think that is why I know now you have to voice it. It's going to be helpful for everyone involved. After the break, we talked to the makers of the play that inspired this whole show, Willow. And Kenya get some key advice about the best way to handle breakups and makeups. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Hashtag QueerAF, a project by National Student Pride, which this year is the 21st to the 23rd of February. And hot word on the street is UK drag race superstar Cheryl Holt is making a special guest appearance at the opening night party on Friday 21st. Hit up studentpride.co.uk to find out what the tea is and how you can be in the same room as your favourite hole. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com We're back. This is Hashtag Queer AF. I'm Jamie Wareham. This week on the show made by students, graduates and LGBT producers, all commissioned by National Student Pride to get their first step into the audio industry, has Kenya Scarlett at the wheel. They've managed to squeeze in everything you need to know about being in a queer relationship into one podcast episode. In this half, we join Kenya as they meet the team behind Willow, which is the play that inspired today's Hashtag Queer AF episode. At the top of the show, we introduce Willows. I met with Jennifer Cerise, the writer, who makes up one half of Lemon House Theatre. We wandered to a park in East London, round the corner from their rehearsal space. I met Samia two years ago, and quite quickly we were like, we like the same type of theatre. And we were like, yeah, we want to try and like see stories, like our own stories that we feel like aren't being shown on stage, so let's kind of come together and do this. And then, yeah, Lemon House was created and we wanted it to be a place that makes theatre that is kind of pushing the bounds of what theatre can be and, like, playing with form and really, like, celebrates that artist-audience relationship. We did, at the beginning of summer, a scratch night in East London that was for mixed-race artists. And Sammy is half Algerian, and so when we started, that was, like, one of the things we really wanted to do. 
and that was really fun and that was again like new writing this is you know a space that, like you can mess up and try something it doesn't matter like we want to see you take those risks and then after that we kind of went straight into prep for the bunker and doing yeah the first two full-length shows one of those two shows was willows which i had the pleasure of seeing the witty humor and the hard truth of breakups was something that myself could relate to so i've never been through serious breakup. I've never really been in love, which sounds kind of really strange to say out loud and really like I should get the violins out. But I mean in the way that I'm like really fascinated by this concept that's like every human goes through like romantic love. And so I wanted to write it from the other side and be like I almost want to like understand and play with this emotion. And to me breakups are quite funny because <laughs> because like you get to see your friends at their most Obviously, it's devastating, heartbreaking, you're there for them. But also, you see them, they're most melodramatic. And then a week later, they're like, why was I doing that? Why did I come around and, like, have ice cream and, like, be as cliche as could possibly be? And I was like, that's amazing. It's like a human thing that everyone shares. You give in to that, like, dramatic part of yourself when it happens because it is, it is grief. It's awful. And so I wanted to write something that was about breakups but was still a comedy. So Willow kind of... It's about these two ex-girlfriends, Gabby and Lottie. And the play starts, like, you know they've broken up. And Gabby is the protagonist and she's kind of looking back to try and understand why they broke up. Sophia O'Donoghue, who plays Lottie, and Chrysania Papadakis, the director. I think the first sort of instinctive thing when you're reading the play is to be, oh, I'm such a Gabby and like you're such a Lottie. And even when I was sitting at the back for the first play, there were a bunch of couples in front of me and like some queer couples, some not queer couples. And they kept turning to each other going like, that's you. Like, that's so me. And I think it's funny how... Well, so, for example, when I first read it, I was like, oh, I'm totally a Lottie, for sure. <laughs> Gabby's so overbearing. <laughs> and I think it's nice. It's an, it's a interesting duality of, like, people, like, different conceptions of, like, what personal space is in a relationship, I think. And sometimes two well-meaning people can just not be compatible in what their ideas of, say, independence are or boundaries and I think that's really relatable. I definitely, as I was reading the script, was definitely flashing back to moments where you just you feel like you're t speaking to someone who's speaking a different language and you're like, how could you possibly think that was okay? Like, I can think of like relationships where, you know, you one person's sort of way of signaling affection is just not working for you and how difficult that can be when people mean the best, but it just doesn't click. And then the process, I guess, kind of like in the show of like unclicking when people do love each other, but maybe not in the way they want to be loved. And yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, when I read the play, I was like, well, I'm going to stab and ask you the shit out of this play. <laughs> um, so when you saw it, you were like, yes. I get this, this is me. Well, not you personally, but I mean, like, I, get, I get what this is about, I get what it's trying to represent. When I, um, when I got the audition part of the script through, I was actually with my ex-girlfriend, and she was, she was running the lines with me, and as we was going for it, it was the part about, it was the should I buy a strap-on scene, and we was going for it, and we were just laughing so much, because it was just like, does a guy give you give, something, give you something I that I don't or can't? And we were just there like, okay, right, it's not that deep. <laughs> it's not that deep, it's not that deep. And then um, we've actually broken up now and like... Not because of the script. No, 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 not because of that, no. Because <laughs> you imagine when no, no. I broke my relationship, <laughs> can't do this now. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't because of that. It was just, um, 
just loads of other things like we just just ended up splitting fairly amicably but um it's funny because the way the time sort of coincided because she was sort of my first ever girlfriend and to then have a play about two women splitting up and to feel how these characters feel like actually at the same time of having to project that feeling onto a character but when actually knowing this is how I actually feel about a certain situation so it was quite I don't want to say helpful, but <laughs> it did, it, it, it was, I guess, I feel like everything does happen for a reason. So I don't know if it's helped me in a way, understand Lottie and understand Gabby and like their perspectives and where they're coming from. So first question, what kind of breakup did Gabby really want? Hmm? Did she want A, Lottie to actually cheat on her so she felt validated in telling everyone how horrible Lottie was. B. For her to break Lottie's heart and have an ego boost every time Lottie then drunk texted her. <laughs> or C. When Lottie came to drop Gabby's things off, they realised they were still madly in love and got back together. Whether it's a good or a bad breakup, things can get complicated and things can get difficult, sometimes really difficult. We think about them, we're playing the relationship back in our minds over and over again. We can get caught up in our own thoughts and in some cases we can really struggle with our mental health. None of my breakups have been good if there is such a thing. My first breakup when I was younger came around because I knew that person was going to break up with me when they went to university. So I ended up breaking up with them at a festival on one of the first nights. Not one of the most sensible things I've ever done. One of the other breakups was really, really tough. Both of us were struggling with our mental health and it just wasn't healthy to continue, which made it even harder because neither of us did anything wrong. And the other breakup I wish I still knew what happened to this day. It was a lot of confusion and the other person was giving me, I would say, unfairly mixed messages. Maybe one day I'll know what happened with that one. But sometimes some things are just better left not knowing. It's not easy just to walk away. According to Your Tango, 48% of people will look at their ex's social media page far too often. We also tend to tell the story from our side of the lens. And sometimes we are so caught up in that own story, we forget to think about the other person. We, like, um, naturally lie, but, like, not because we're, like, awful people, but because we kind of have to lie to protect ourselves. Like, you have to kind of make yourself the hero of your own story. Because I have friends tell me things, and they're like, oh, is it bad I did that? And I'm like, a little bit, but, like, I'm not going to say that because, like, that's not helpful right now. We all deal with breakups and emotions in different ways. I find it easy to bring things up, but confrontation for me is really hard. Mm. So I kind of dealt with it in a really silly way by moving away in the past, um, making decisions to do my own thing and kind of leaving them behind because I couldn't deal with it properly. So my first partner I had, I left to go to Australia because mm. I did my dance training. <laughs> Couldn't go any further away. Yeah. So <laughs> away from the world, like I'm going to Australia. <laughs> yeah. No, I did my dance training 
And I knew with my first boyfriend it can't go forever, but I kind of waited to the point where I had to leave to Australia, so I, the breakup wasn't my fault. Then I was in Australia, had my partner for years, and then I moved away because I felt really unhappy also with the relationship, and I didn't see another way out, so I moved back home to Austria. This mm. is how it happened. Mm. But I think it's not a great thing to do because it didn't allow us... Um, didn't allow us to really talk through things mm -hmm. and so I still feel it especially with my last um, breakup there's still mm -hmm. something unresolved. So the girl I was seeing the one we were in a long distance with she eventually moved to London and like I like I helped her out a lot and everything getting her settled in she was like totally into her like gymming and stuff And then I kind of found out that she was, like, hitting up her, one of her gym instructors, and, like, they were, like, flirting and stuff. And then, like, she magically decided, like, she was straight. So, obviously, I was just super sad about it, but we thought we could, like, be friends. But she ended up leading me on. But she just kind of wanted my attention as well as all the other people around her. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was just like, fuck you, bitch. Yes. <laughs> and then I got rid of her number. Um, she's not on my socials or anything. She's like, done with you. I think for me personally also, it was understanding when is the time for a breakup. I think I was in a relationship which was my first sort of proper long-term relationship. And I just had no grip over when is miserable enough. You know, I was like, because I'm someone who likes to persevere and likes to see through something. And who's also someone who's had a parents who have been together for such a long time. Not married, but together as, as friends, you know, and I've seen them go through difficult periods. So for me, it was like, how much do I need to endure until I can actually say bye? And it was, for me, I think a lot of, I felt like I concluded a lot within my relationship, my breakup, through the people around me. It was taking myself out of that situation, moving back to London and just being around my friends who are all very resilient and strong women who know exactly when enough is enough. Although obvious, throughout this podcast, there hasn't been much emphasis on the fact that the relationships we have been discussing in this episode are same-sex relationships. This is because most of the time in traditional media, a mostly straight audience expect this fact to be thrown in front of us in big flashing lights with confetti shooting out of cannons, when actually sometimes there is no specific need just to focus our attention on somebody's sexual orientation or gender. Sometimes it's just not important to the narrative. I was part of a writer's group maybe like a year and a half ago. And you kind of worked on a script for the whole year, and in it, the protagonist was gay, but it was similarly like she was like dealing. That that wasn't a comedy. She was like dealing with the death of her sister, but like she has a girlfriend. And the idea is people in the group like read the script and they feed back to you. And one of the comments I got was that it was like really shocking when it was introduced that she had a girlfriend because she doesn't come out. And I was like, oh, because she's already out. And they're like, oh, but she's not like dealing with this. And I was like, she doesn't need to deal. I was like, I don't know what. But like my inner shyness wanting to please people took over. And I was like, okay, you're right. And then I changed it. So there was like a bit of coming out and da da da. And I've like always really regretted that I did that. When I was doing this play again, they naturally became two women because I find it, as a queer woman, I find it a lot easier to write queer women. And I feel like there's not enough queer women on stage, so I'm going to keep writing them. And Great. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to 
have to justify the fact that I was doing that because I'd done that before and it made me feel really shit. And so I wanted almost to like correct that. And I was like, I want to do a play where it's two women, it's about queer relationship. And I don't shy away from the fact it's a queer relationship, or there's jokes in there that is like about the fact that they're queer and about things like, it's like a joke about how all lesbians know each other. And you can always hear in the audience, someone go, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's really nice that there's queer women are coming and resonating with it. But it's not like, this is about two women and like, they're gonna struggle to come out and they're gonna get abused and then they're gonna die. And whenever I'd seen, even just queer theater, not necessarily queer female theater, like I've always left the room almost like re-traumatized because I've like remembered, you know, the time that there was like that rumor that I was gay in school and people were stopping me and calling me names or, you know, like difficulties coming out and all those things. And I'd leave the theater and I'd just be like reliving all of this stuff. And I was like, even though it's really important to have stories that do show the difficulties, I don't want queer theatre just to be associated with queer struggle. However, people unfortunately do have a negative bias and stereotypes towards same-sex couples, and this cannot be ignored. It was only in September that Len Goodman, the old Strictly Come Dancing judge, made a comment on not wanting to see same-sex couples on the show after the BBC stated they were open to it. What a twat. The worst abuse I ever received was when I was with my ex-girlfriend and we were just minding our own business, walking in the park. I don't even know if we were being that affectionate. I think we maybe were just holding hands. And this guy rode past on his bike and shouted, what is it, lesbian day? And then we were just like, yes. And then he told us to go kill ourselves. He thinks that it's so bad that there are people in same-sex relations that he wants people to think about committing suicide just for being who they are. It was definitely an eye-opener and wasn't a very nice experience, to be honest. But then there are also the subtle things. Like, I remember the amount of closed-minded questions I received when I was in a same-sex relationship compared to pretty much having absolutely none asked when I was in a heterosexual one. Who's the more dominant one? How do you have sex? How would you have children? The answer to all of these questions is, well, who really cares? And to be honest, it's none of your goddamn business. Same-sex couples do not have to follow the outdated social norms and values that heterosexual couples have to endure. But also, if they wanted to, that is completely their choice and it shouldn't be questioned. So many people ask me, how do, how do you guys have sex? I'm just like, oh my god, man! Like, just go look it up. Why are you asking me? Like, how do <laughs> like, you guys have sex? You just insert a penis into the vagina. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, go look it up. It's it's kind of like it's not something that annoys me, but it's more like a pet peeve now. I think because it's like I just get asked that so often, and it's like you can do research yourself. <laughs> Why are you asking me? Kind of thing. But I don't think they mean any harm. There's no malicious intent. They just, intent. Don't know. They're just agreed, yeah. yeah. And oh, there was actually one time that guy. Remember. We were on a date, and then this dude came up to us, and he was like, something like, you're wasting your thing on women and not men or something. Like, why don't you give men a chance kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. It was ages ago. Yeah. And then I was we like... We were just doing nothing. Like, we were just, like, holding hands or something. Yeah, but I was like, why... But Why are like, you talking to us? Yeah. yeah, and he was like, oh, why don't you give me a chance or give us a chance, men a chance? And I was like, even if, like, I was straight, I wouldn't give you a chance anyway, so you're not losing out on anything. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just weird how people feel like they just comment yeah. on, like, mm. your relationship like We that. are constantly cautious of where we are, like, whether we can show affection or not because we constantly have that thought of uh, there might be people around us who don't want to see this. Mm. On the tube to mine northeast, mm. one man once 
called us disgusting or like we yeah called us names in a very names. cowardly way as well yeah like, the, like getting off the train exactly. like, yeah. it, it was as we were getting off oh yeah and i and it was it was funny because i didn't know about lucas but for me personally i have no trouble about being affectionate in public i'm quite proud about that i think there's something quite nice and beautiful about it but in this occasion as the guy walked past and said under his breath that's disgusting that's disgusting i for a moment looked around thinking who he was talking about <laughs> i had no idea that it was about me which is just shows how much i sort of actually come across like much homophobia mm. and that's the kind of thing about homophobia is that it's you can easily as a homosexual you can easily hide it you know you can it's only when you start to communicate and be affectionate with the mm. same sex when you start to realize that there's issues that arise mm. with people but let's end on a positive note there are some wonderful things about being in a same-sex relationship. We can share clothes. Yeah, <laughs> share clothes. Also, because I'm not out to my parents, I'll just be like, oh, this is my friend coming around to stay the night. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> it's really, it's her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the interesting thing about, I think, being a homosexual is that you go through a world which feels very straight so when you finally find yourself within a relationship, all of a sudden you finally have a chance to talk about being gay, but you also have a chance to experiment alongside that. And one thing I really want to point out in this is that we don't get sex education at school. So that's another thing that you're having to explore with your partner. And it's funny because only this year, did I actually look up gay sex education and still I managed to learn so much although I've been gay since well not being gay but I came out when I was 13 I was very gay when I was a child but um, I think that's one of the most specialist things but also the most concerning thing. yeah I think it's like because we're both women we kind of understand women I'm quite laid back but she's like Quite emotional. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm like overly sensitive. But I feel like I can understand, like, because women will just be more compassionate and empathetic, you know, because it's like, yeah. And we understand that, like, especially like during that time of the month, you kind of like, okay, yeah, I get what you're going through. Like, I, I know how to be more sensitive and like more geared towards you. Yeah. Which is like a plus. Like, when <clears throat> I have had sex with lots of men before I even got with one woman mm. when I started getting with women I was like I don't know what I'm doing one but obviously I kind of do because I'm a woman myself no, but it's a big part. but it was so exciting and so new and just it's like learning again weirdly just mm -hmm. how to like love a yeah. different person yeah. um it's completely different experience and like when people ask me like What's it like? It's just like you can't. It's so different. Mm. They're both having sex with a man and a woman are completely different things. Completely. Um, it was lovely exploring that with my ex-partner. Like just yeah. so many new things. Like toys came out, and I was just like, oh, I've never used these. Yeah, it was just really yeah. exciting, you yeah. know. It's like you all of a sudden have like a deeper understanding of your own genitals. <laughs> you know, you immediately yeah, you have like a whole new exploration period.
That's it for this week's Hashtag Queer F. But stay with us until the end of the episode, because this season we're going to feature a hand-picked track from a rising LGBTQ artist, straight after the credits. But first, thanks to Lemon House Theatre Group for letting us use audio from their play Willow today. Check out their upcoming projects with the links in the show notes. Today's show was reported by at Kenya Scarlet. You can find them on Twitter with that handle. They're the creator of the Understanding Each Other Mental Health Project. Check out her work and find out how you can hire Kenya in the show notes. Executive production came from me at Jamie underscore Wareham. And remember, our annual podcast recording is coming up at National Student Pride on February 22nd at the University of Westminster with guest host and BBC broadcaster Evan Davis. Follow at Student Pride on your socials to find out what amazing guests he'll be interviewing this year. And go back and check out previous live editions with guests Ian McKellen, Courtney Act, and years and years Ollie Alexander in our feed. Get your tickets for this year's event at studentpride.co.uk. And now, as we play you our first hashtag QRF LGBTQ artist, go rate, review, and share this episode with a friend to spread the hashtag QRF message. We are hashtag QRF, and so are you. This song is called Willows and it's taken from the play. I'm Kenya J. Scarlet. Thank you for listening.